Welcome to Bone to Pick, Hip Bone Music's Artist of the Month interview series. We are here today at the Juilliard School in New York City, and uh, I am absolutely honored to interview one of the greatest trombone players of all time, Mr. Joe Alessi. Um, Joe has been the principal trombonist of the New York Philharmonic for almost 30 years. He's one of the greatest trombone soloists. He's also one of the finest teachers anywhere in the world. Uh, he's done it all for over three decades and done it at the absolute highest level. Um, Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your extraordinarily busy schedule to uh, spend some time with us today and talking about your amazing career and the great life you've led as a musician. Thanks, and it's a great honor to be uh, interviewed here with you, and I'm, I would like to interview you, actually, right. at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> I might take you up on that, but okay. thank you so much, Joe. Uh, I just wanted to start with kind of a, a, a personal story that Joe may not remember this. Um, when I was in high school, I got into the California All-State Symphonic Band one year, and uh, they sent out the uh, list of who you would room with. And uh, to my good fortune, the, the name came, and it was Ralph Alessi, who was Joe's uh, younger brother, great trumpet player in his own right. And so Ralph and I spent the weekend together playing in the band and hanging out and talking. And uh, I have to confess, most of the talking was me asking Ralph about his older brother, Joe. And Ralph was a great sport about it, but I think by the end of the weekend, he'd pretty much had enough. And, uh, <laughs> and Ralph said, you know, listen, if you want to talk to Joe, why don't you just call him up? And uh, I said, really? Okay. He said, you know, here, here's his number. He's at Curtis Institute in Philly, and uh, he'll talk to you. Don't worry. And so I was like, I get home, and I was kind of nervous, and I, I called up Joe and uh, left a message, and I thought, ah, oh, he's not going to call me back. And uh, sure enough, Joe called me back uh, a day or two later and couldn't have been more gracious and helpful and insightful and answered all my questions and took the time. And it just uh, it, it really meant a lot then, and looking back on it, it still means a really uh, a lot. And, and I've been fortunate to work with Joe since then on uh, motion picture work here in New York and television commercials and CD projects, and it's, uh, it's always inspiring and always a, a pleasure to work with Joe. So uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to talking to Joe today about his amazing career. Um, and you're still, you're still asking me questions. That's right. I'm still trying to be. <laughs> There's so much uh, information there. I'm just going to keep asking. So, uh, um, Joe, you grew up in the Bay Area, um, as did I, and uh, you were already extremely well-known and uh, very uh, highly regarded when you were in uh, high school. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that time in your life. Um, you held a position in the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra when you were still a teenager, uh, also soloed with the San Francisco Symphony as a teenager, which are obviously incredible accomplishments. Um, also, if you could talk, um, for those of you who don't know, Joe's dad, Joe, uh, was a great trumpet player and uh, an entrepreneur. He was kind of ahead of his time in many, in many respects. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the influence that your dad had on you, uh, both as a young man and, and as a young musician. Well, growing, growing up in the Bay Area, uh, as you know, we had a wealth of uh, great music making. The teachers, uh, you know, we can name tons of great teachers. Uh, and so the, the guidance that we had was just unmatched um, in, in some ways. And it, uh, going, well, working with Ned Meredith and Mark Lawrence and Miles Anderson, I'll name all the names, and Mitchell Ross, and, uh, and plus the, all the other young players like Steve Witzer. And it was just a, a fantastic way to to work on your playing and and you know I had a little bit of jazz experience of course I'm a frustrated jazz player and I'd love love to take some lessons sometime with you and <laughs> and uh, pick your brain but 
uh, you know, even the little uh, jazz experience I got out there, I was very lucky. I, my, my high school buddy, uh, Bob Elkier, was a great jazz mm -hmm. trumpet player, and, and he, he's my arranger now. But also, uh, you know, auditioning once for the Monterey Jazz Festival, uh, you know, young, I don't know what they call it, the, the all-star band they call right, it. Right, sure. But, uh, so I, I, did you do that in one year? I, I, I did that one year, yeah and, I, yeah. and I remember seeing your name on it because I remember thinking like, this guy's such a great orchestra player, now he's in this world too, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Well, that, that to me was just going to that and playing with, you know, great players and, you know, you just can't get that kind of education anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. uh, I was very fortunate. And then getting back to my father, yes, he, he was a, a great teacher. Uh, a lot of, he had a lot of trumpet students. I mean, any time I go back there, I always run into a student of his. Mm. Um, so he, he, his knowledge of, of brass playing was, was great. He showed me how to make a good armbusher, um, which is, I think is a, Unfortunately, there's not a lot of good teachers that really know how to start a beginner. And mm -hmm. Say, well, you know, to make your armature, you do this, and and there's certain things that have to happen. I think when, as a young player, and if you end up, you know, this is not true for everybody. There's a lot of weird armatures out there, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But my father just set me up with, you know, what he considered to be a, a solid foundation. And uh, so I always remember that, and thankful, thankful to him for for that, uh, for doing that. Uh, and then you know, just listening to all his exercises and all the trumpet students that came through every day, there was at least eight to ten students that would come mm. in and take a half half hour lesson. Some of these players were fantastic. So listening to how he would teach and how he would teach rhythm. And he, you know, he he did not like bad rhythm, because mm. I heard, you know, he was pretty firm about that, and you know, he would he would yell. It says, <laughs> not like this, like this, ta 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 ta, like this, because he had to have very strict rhythm from his students. So um, I think that kind of wears off on you, mm -hmm. and, and, and just from listening to the lessons, even while you're just waking up, you know, like on eight o'clock in the morning, he would start teaching. So uh, you'd be kind of half asleep listening to these, these lessons, and you're just learning, you know. And, and, um, so, and, and, and then as I got older, and, and, and I did study with him, and that went fine, although the emotional uh, battle that we had, he just sent me to another teacher. It was, I think this is very common. If, if, yeah, if, yeah. if, a, if, a, <laughs> if a son studies with his father, uh, you know, they're, they're eventually they're going to have to move move on. Yeah. So yeah. he was very smart. He sent me to uh, a teacher. His name is Barry Ehrlich. And, sure, and I know Barry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and, yeah. and he, he, uh, he, I asked my father, why did you send me to Barry? He said, well, Barry was a fine player. He had a good armbusher, and I knew, I could tell that he knows what he's doing. And and so sure enough, uh, Barry had me. You know, he worked on my structure and and you know not a lot of moving keep the armature very steady and and especially when you tongue and and uh he had me work in a mirror and all these things that i work on with my own students you know uh and he, he insisted on a nice sound mm -hmm. you know when you play something so uh and barry took me through the same books he started he, he continued schlossberg he continued arbonne's simple slurs 
nothing, nothing, just the basics, mm -hmm. you know, and we worked on rhythm and anyway. And then Barry said, you know, okay, I, I, that's all I can do with this guy. So uh, then I went on to, you know, Ned Meredith, who played second trombone in the symphony, and he continued with me. And um, But to this day, I mean, my father's no longer here anymore. I, I think often of his teaching. And I'll be honest with you, there's, there's, every brass player has a bad day or you lose your way a little bit. Uh, the, the trick is to find your way back, mm -hmm. you know, so during those moments when you're, you don't feel exactly right and, and you know, you, you want to, um, I would call him, you know, call him on the phone from, uh, from New York and he says, yeah, yeah, do this. And, and sure enough, it's, that's, that's all I needed, you know, mm -hmm. so just, you know, so I, I, all that advice he, is, he, he had given me all through the years, you know, it's, it's all here and I continue to, uh, you know, to do that. And, and uh, what, what else can I tell you? He, he was just, uh, he was a good guy and, but, uh, and a lot of people in New York, it's really weird to be in New York where he worked, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, there's still people who come up to me and say, oh, I knew your father and I work with him or, you know, some people know that my grandfather worked here also. Mm. He, he taught at Manhattan School of Music and... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, his, his couple of his students, uh, Joe Wilder was his student. Oh, is that right? Wow. And Joe Shepley uh -huh. was his student. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, so it's, 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 it's very strange. You know, I grew up in California, come back here and and my mother worked here too. You know, sure, she worked yeah. at the Met, and um, so anyway, uh, there's somebody just gave me a photo of her outside the stage door at the old Met. You know, so all this—it's kind of a lot of history here for me. Well, well, yeah, you have some incredible roots here. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that about because I've always thought your embouchure was like the perfect model embouchure, and and to to hear you talk about your dad, you know, kind of. Uh, giving you that foundation, that's great. Also, your rhythmic feel. Um, we've done a lot of work together in the studios, and I was always impressed by how you you were able to play so well with the click, which is not always the case with. Uh, oh, I always think I have trouble players. doing that. But well, <laughs> <laughs> didn't never seem like it to me. So, well, then, well, following high school, you went to uh, the the prestigious Curtis Institute of Music and studied with uh, the great Glenn Dotson. So uh, maybe you could share some yes. of the memories of that that time of your life. Well. Oh, I forgot to mention Mark Lawrence, you know, mm, who was, of course. Uh, maybe I, I didn't or I didn't, but if I didn't, I, I want to say he was a, a great teacher and great influence, but he sort of, he went to Curtis and, mm -hmm. and said, you know, this might be a good place for you to study. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I, I got in there and, and I studied with Dee Stewart uh, initially, and I, I always consider him to be, uh, you know, one of my favorite teachers mm -hmm. and, and he he got me through a lot of stuff at that time with uh, air and related to air and i did i wasn't really a, a big air thinker you know you just take a breath and play <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. but he he really uh made me think about you know what is needed in the upper register versus the lower register and got me thinking in those terms and then um then i got to the opportunity to study with glenn and um uh, Glenn, at that point, uh, we just only spoke about musical things. Very, very little technical items. Interesting. Um, so he, he took me through a lot of etudes, uh, more difficult etudes, uh, you know, um, and his way of playing spoke to me 
uh, because he was sort of a uh, he didn't play the instrument in a passive way, mm -hmm. you know. He he <laughs> he, uh, he he played it in a very very active way, and I, I I always that spoke to me, and I I in some ways I tried to copy him, you mm -hmm. know, uh, unsuccessfully I think because there's only one Glenn Dotson, but um, but in the act of trying to copy him, it showed me what I needed to work on, and 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 then of course I got to work with him. He he had confidence in me enough to ask me if I when D left the orchestra if I would sit next to him in the in the to play second to him and and that was a dream come true mm -hmm. I, I I really am blessed with with how everything worked out because uh you know I'm blessed in the way that I got to learn all all the time mm. from somebody mm -hmm. you know along the way some great player sitting next to me and then Charlie Vernon came along and he sat on the other side of me. So it was like, you know, I was, that was, I was uh, 20, 21 or 22 years old listening to these great players. And, and that's all you could do was learn. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, Glenn's not with us anymore, but yeah. he, I miss him a lot. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, being at Eastman with Steve Witzer and uh, we, uh, when you got the job in Philadelphia and then, and then Charlie came and there was just like the buzz and the trombone, what, what a trombone section, Glenn Dotson, and Joe Lessie and Charlie Vernon, does, doesn't get much better than that. And uh, um, you, of course, have had great sections here in New York you know, in your whole career, you've, uh, wherever you've gone, you've been kind of the focal point of it. But uh, that must have been quite a, quite a time to be in that section at that age. It was. Be and the other thing is uh, Ricardo Muti um, gave us the green light. Mm. many times to when a trombone line came he wanted to hear it he wanted us to play and and everybody was putting out the same kind of sound and and we were we were also our intonation was i think uh, really uh, spectacular yeah. and one of the reasons why i think our intonation was spectacular and we played so well together is because we did the singing thing mm. uh, we had a barbershop quartet oh is that right? yes and you can see some of this on YouTube. So there's a, you wouldn't recognize me at all. But uh, you know, we the reason why that came about is the fourth trumpet player in the orchestra. One day, just you know, he was a, came from a barber shopping family, uh, a couple generations, and he's from the Midwest. And so he says, "Hey, I got these uh, barbershop quartets. You know, uh, would you like to try these?" And we were on a bus. I think we were in Harrisburg. Uh, at Penn State. We were okay. at Penn State and we were nothing much to do and we were sitting on the bus just bored out of our minds and so at the end of the, when we arrived he said you know let's just try these. Mm. We're in the back of the bus and he had these little lead sheets and Glenn and me and Charlie uh, and, and Roger started humming these things you know we didn't want anybody to hear us and then we sort of said wow this is fun and so we started learning the charts, and we would learn these charts uh, on company time. We would be uh, waiting to play a Brahms symphony or something, and, and they were doing a concerto, and we said, well, what do we do? Well, let's sing. Let's do some singing. So, you know, anyway, l things led to one another, and, which, and we became uh, very popular with the orchestra. We, we had quite a reputation. It was called the Philharmonic Flavor is the name of the group. Wow. Anyway. We went to, we, the weirdest gig we did was we went to a uh, farm and tractor convention. 
<laughs> and they wanted some entertainment, and so they, they hired our group. And what made our group interesting is we would play and sing, or sing mm. and play, you know, so, and Roger played the slide trumpet. And so that was a fun time for yeah. me, because, you know, just to say, okay, well, let's play in the orchestra, but let's play in this, let's do this barbershop quartet thing also, you know, so, okay. And because of this, of, you know, my point was, is we had exactly the same intonation. Yeah. It's really something. Well, you've given me some good YouTube viewing for tonight. So as soon as we're done, we'll uh, go check that out. I, yes. bet, I bet it was uh, great. It always struck me with Glenn, especially he came <laughs> when I was at Eastman and gave a master class, and I was bowled away by it. I just thought it was incredible. Um, and I know he was a good Dixieland player, and he was just very, uh, as you as you experience much more than all of us who just heard that one master class, but he just everything he, uh, uh, his entire approach was based on music, it seemed like. And, and that kind of lends itself to if you're going to sing in a barbershop quartet or play Dixieland or play principal trombone in the Philadelphia right. Orchestra. I know he played with, he talked about playing with Pete Fountain and mm -hmm. Al Hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, he was in New Orleans at that time. Right. right. And all my teachers were there together. And uh, Ned Meredith played in, with Glenn in the orchestra as well as uh, Dee Stewart. Mm. Wow. So. Um, following your, your four years in the Philadelphia Orchestra, you, you uh, were principal trombone of the Montreal Symphony for, a, I guess, just one year, right? And what was that like going from the section position in Philadelphia to, to playing principal in, in Montreal? Well, you know, you've got to learn somewhere. And, and uh, everybody has to, people say, well, he doesn't have any experience, uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, people forget, you know, that we all had no experience at one point. So for me to go into that position at that time was, was perfect for me because, uh, you know, I, I, the, the orchestras played very differently. Mm -hmm. The brass sections played very differently. And it took me a while to figure out that I'm not in the Philadelphia Orchestra anymore. Mm -hmm. I had to make some adjustments. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, by the by, the time I figured out the adjustments, then it was time to leave and play in the New York Philharmonic. <laughs> so, uh, the you know, but those adjustments mainly were just, it was you know it's a very light kind of orchestra, homogenous, um, and and Charles Dutrois, who will be here this coming week, he was my boss there, and and you know to his credit, he he made that a great orchestra. Mm -hmm. I mean it's. It, it, you know, he, the way he would, he would rehearse, the kind of sound that he wanted and everything. So, uh, you know, if I'd stayed there a little bit longer, I would have gotten to record some great repertoire. But, mm. uh, you know, the brass section, the great brass players, Jim Thompson was there mm. and Ellis Ween. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of Americans in the brass section. And, and it was very strange, you know, to go to, it took me, um, it took a little bit of courage to leave the Philadelphia Orchestra to go to another country, especially sure. Quebec, where, you know, Quebec is, is almost, they want to be their own country, mm -hmm. actually, still, yeah, to this sure. day. So, uh, uh, so speaking a different language and, and et cetera, um, it was a bit intimidating, mm. you know. But uh, I listened to the recordings and said, this is, this is fantastic. This orchestra plays great. And they, they went on tours and, and international tours. So... Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a great, great place to be. Mm -hmm. Well, you bring up the New York Philharmonic. We are right across the street from where you've spent uh, a good portion of your career. Um, you were appointed 
Principal Trombone in 1985, and uh, so you've been there almost, almost going, getting pretty close to 30 years now. Um, and obviously, it's one of the premier orchestral positions anywhere in the world. Um, can you talk about just uh, as much in, as in depth as you'd like, or as little as you like, just uh, about what it's been like to be a member of the orchestra and to contribute on such a high level? I've heard you many times with the orchestra, and it's spectacular hearing you're playing uh, with the orchestra. And, Maybe just you know talk about what it's been like for you for the, these past three decades to be a member of the orchestra. Well, the first thing that a principal player wants, I think, is to have play next to a great second player. Mm. And so the first thing that I think of is Dave Finlayson. And Dave and I have worked together for all this time, and it's still great. It's still fantastic, and it gets better every every year we get we're, we play together. Uh, and continues to, and, and I, I just want to say that he makes my job easy, mm. you know, so, because uh, we're listening to each other all the time, and, and we take great pride in that, and as, as you know, at this point, we are the only two um, members that are there right now, because mm -hmm. Mr. Markey had just, has just left, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also we're, we're, we're hiring, you know, um, uh, in the process of hiring a, an associate. So, um, anyway, we've been together all this time, and so, uh, um, and people say that when they hear the orchestra play, we're like, a, you know, incredible team, mm -hmm. him and I. Yeah. So, so I want to say that. But also, uh, you know, I'm just blessed. I, I've gotten to work with all the great conductors. Uh, the, the top of the list is Leonard Bernstein, mm. of course, because, you know, I grew up listening to uh, to him and not only Philharmonic records, but, you know, Berlin Philharmonic and, and with him at the helm. And just to meet him and to work with him, especially during the recording of, of the Mala Three that mm -hmm. I did with him was probably the highlight of my whole career on the orchestra. Wow. And, and, and um, so, and, and of course working with Phil Smith is unbelievable and and uh you know growing up with trumpet all around me uh you know i matter, matter of fact my father and i uh, i found a, a recent recording of we did in with the high school band terrell the high school band we did frank erickson's duet for trumpet and trombone and i still have somebody uh just sent me that recording and playing with the trumpet you know there's a certain sound that you want to have with the trumpet and trombone, your intonation has to be exact, and and so the, I I I take great pride in trying to play exactly with Phil Smith and yeah. and, and and try well, to support. Unquestionably, him. you do. I mean, I've heard you guys together. It's doesn't get any better. I mean, that oh, is spectacular sound that thanks. the two of you create. Yeah, but um, you know, and then and then we go around the rest of the brass section. Phil Myers is is an unbelievable horn player and. And Alan Bear's our new tuba player. So anyway, it's 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 uh, we just came out with a, a recording of the Nielsen symphonies. We're in the process of recording all of them, and I think three and four just came out on a disc. Hmm. And I must say, I'm very impressed with you know the sound we're getting in the brass. And mm -hmm. and um, Alan Gilbert is is a, a very fine conductor, and I really enjoy working with him very much. And uh, so the orchestra continues. We continue to go on, on big tours, and, and uh, we still crank out four concerts a week, you know, on average. 
and um, it's it's I feel you know I know some people get a little bitter in the business over time mm -hmm. it's I don't feel that way I, f I feel like it's the f very first day that I got the job you know and I when I go into work I feel like wow I'm going to work in the New York Philharmonic I still can't believe it you know so I still have that feel and uh, um, I think you should always, for players who who, ha who have orchestra jobs, you've got to remember the day you won the job and how thankful you were and try to bring that into into work every day. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's very important for longevity. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. And having the, right, having the right attitude. Fantastic advice, and you can take that to any musician. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. not, we don't yeah. all get to play in the New York Philharmonic, but we're privileged to be musicians and to get to play and do something that we love right. uh, every day. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah. You've, I've, you've always struck me as a guy who has that kind of energy that you're just fired up and, ha and you know, not only do you play great, but you're happy to be playing and you're in, there's, that's, that's great. I mean, it's really uh, inspiring. Well, thanks. It's, I mean, yeah, every day is, uh, you learn something new on the instrument, you know, and, and there's so much to learn. You know, mm -hmm. if, even if you you think you've okay I've learned this but what else can I learn too you know mm -hmm. so it's and I think I think the, a lot of young players now ha, uh, the, the top players these new new rank of players I think they have the same uh, attitude and 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 also uh, there's there seems to be a, a very uh, highly conscientious group of young players coming up mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I, it's very refreshing to see mm -hmm. absolutely um, in addition to being the preeminent principal trombonist in the world, um, you've crafted a, a career as a soloist and as a teacher that are uh, also second to none. Um, maybe we can start by talking about your solo career a little bit. Um, you've released, I, I believe it's 14 solo CDs as a solo artist, something like that. That's a pretty, pretty large number. Uh, you've had a Pulitzer Prize winning piece uh, written for you. The ITA, the International Trombone Association, has honored you for your work as, as a soloist and as a uh, trombonist in the Philharmonic. Um, can you talk about some of the highlights of your solo career um, performances that you maybe remember and uh, and also maybe just a little bit about how that differs for you when you, you step out as a soloist as opposed to being uh, in the section? Well, you, you, it's always a bold move to um, to remind the management that, you know, that you want to play a solo. The trombone is not considered a solo instrument still mm -hmm. I mean sadly yeah. even though we we keep trying <laughs> um, uh, meaning that that you know the orchestra managements don't say oh we want a soloist let's get let's get a trombone you know or you know they rather I think they'll call a violinist or a pianist mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. um, and um, speaking of that I mean I just think that with if every big orchestra has a nice collection of brass players you know yeah really great players you can go any orchestra and I think that in, in my in my opinion that the management should exploit that and they mm. should they should be able to call on their guys and or people not guys everybody mm -hmm. to to uh, give them the opportunity to 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 have a solo opportunity maybe every year mm -hmm. and make it a tradition where it's okay let's have a brass day mm -hmm. you know they they have it's this idea. yeah they yeah. have this and they they do this in colleges where they have brass day or or uh, trom trombone day or trumpet day or whatever it may be but <clears throat> i think 
if the public is 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 used to hearing brass soloists more, mm -hmm. and especially with great uh, players in the in the orchestra, why not give them a chance to do something once a year? It says, well, this is your brass day, mm -hmm. and 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 I think that would educate the public more and give us a chance to to show what we can do and and you know um, get some other pieces written perhaps and I think it's I think it's an idea but anyway I remember the first time that I played a solo with the orchestra it was Creston's Fantasy mm -hmm. and uh, which it's interesting his real name is Giuseppe Guttoveggio <laughs> just a little yeah. uh, tidbit there for <laughs> rolls right off the tongue yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, he was from a Sicilian family. But anyway, um, so, you know, I remember doing that and, and, and I memorized it and the whole thing. And it was absolutely exhilarating to be yeah. up there and, and to do something like that. Tell and me you were a little bit nervous. I was. Okay. Absolutely. Good. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, I, was, I think a little bit nervous is good. You never look nervous. I've seen you <laughs> play solos with orchestras and uh, you always look like you're in full command. Yeah. And I, I always think, oh, I wonder if he's a little bit nervous. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I think it's good. It's, if you're a lot nervous, that can be a problem. Mm -hmm. But and you, have to, and you have to learn how to get up in front of people and do that all the time. That's what I say. People ask me, Why, how do you not get nervous for these things? And, well, I am a little nervous, but... It's controlled. You know, you've mm -hmm. been there before. If you do it enough times and you're prepared, then these nerves tend to uh, go away a bit and you focus on the task at hand. And you, f you don't think about what p other people are thinking. That's the worst. That's when you're going to get nervous. If you start, right. oh, what is that person thinking? What? So that you tend to put the ego aside and just mm -hmm. go up there, get the, get the job done, and, and then it tends to calm you down. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but aside from that, yeah, doing the, doing the the Creston was was a, a fantastic experience, and uh, and then you know doing, uh, I remember that I was so lucky because for the 150th anniversary of the orchestra, they commissioned uh, all these composers to write, and and uh, I think there was uh, Joseph Schwantner was one mm. composer I was very interested in mm -hmm. in having him do something. But uh, the Chris Lamb, who you well, you know sure, well, sure. I think you went to school together. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had already selected Schwantner. Mm. And so uh, my wife said, you know, she saw the list and said, you know, this Christopher Rouse might be a good way to go. You know, he was my, one of my teachers at University of Michigan. I said, all right. So we heard some, um, you know, examples, and I said, wow, this is great music. Mm -hmm. And I think he's one of the most exciting composers we have today. Yeah, I agree. Just incredible. And so he wrote the, he wrote a concerto, and and we, I tend not to have any, don't have any. Uh, I like to let the composer write what they want to write, and, and 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 so I think in this case, maybe John Marcellus might have uh, been uh, sort of a given his opinion on, on what would work on the instrument. I don't mm -hmm. know that exactly, mm -hmm. but because Chris was up at Eastman. He's teaching at Eastman, yeah. When, sure. he, when, he wrote yeah. The, when he wrote the piece. And uh, so it showed up, and, and everything looked good until I got to the second movement. And then I said, oh, man, this is, this is how am I going to practice this? There's no piano reduction. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, Jim Pugh ended up writing a, a MIDI uh, you know, for me, and and so I got to practice with that, uh, a MIDI version.
and that helped out tremendously. But anyway, doing that piece, and and I was in Europe on tour somewhere, and I got a knock on the door, and it was Deborah Borda, our executive director. She said, "Well, you know, the Rouse just won the Pulitzer Prize." Really? Awesome. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I I I wasn't. I was more happy for the trombone world than myself. It yeah. says, wow, the trombone world has a Pulitzer Prize winning piece that they can go out and perform. Yeah. You know, and, and to have that stamp like that is, is rather, I thought, of the, I, I thought of the history of that. Yeah. You know, it was a great day in history for the instrument, you know, so. No question. And, you know, I think, I think your advice to, to management or just in general, you know, Having uh, take, exploiting the brass players and using them as soloists, and uh, I, I think it's such a, a great piece of advice. And I think the fact that the, you know, uh, Christopher Rouse Concerto exists makes that so possible. You know, great music is is, is available now. You know, which was not always the case. So, uh, I know my youngest son. We were talking on the elevator coming up. Um, uh, his field trip from his school went to hear you guys play um, Mahler one uh, a couple days ago and he heard Phil Myers play the Mozart horn concerto and he that stuck with him and he was talking about it when I'm driving him to hockey practice and he's he's thinking about playing hockey but he he heard a French horn solo that day and that definitely will stick with uh, young wow. people I think it's I think it's great advice that uh, you just said that um, you know in this it seems like it gets more competitive and more intense all the time in terms of winning a position in an orchestra in, uh, or around the world, but in the United States in particular. Um, it's astounding to me how many of your students have gone on to, to win positions in, in orchestras worldwide. Um, can you just touch on your, your approach and your thought process in terms of what's made you, you know, a very successful teacher and, and, and you know, clearly all the tools, but you have something else that you're giving your students that is that's very special? Well, I, I, I continued to take the same approach over the years, which is um, make sure your students know the basics and understand what they need to practice. That's the first thing, because mm. you, know, you, you can't tell a student, okay, let's start working on excerpts when you can't play the instrument. Mm -hmm. So that being said, it's, it's important to, and at, at Juilliard, you have to play excerpts every year. You ha and that's, they do that um, uh, to place you in an orchestra. So twice a year, you have to play a um, orchestra placement, orchestral placement audition. So the teacher is, 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 you know, forced, I think, to prepare their students and for the, that, those events. And so, it's, and the matter of fact, the year starts off that way. You, you know, if a new student comes in, they have to play this placement aud audition after two weeks mm. being in the, at school. So it's a bit strange, you know, to prepare the student, maybe when they're not quite ready. But, of course, after the audition, we'll go back to basics. We'll analyze what they did wrong and, and what needs to be corrected and how we, how we should go about getting better but a lot of it comes back to basics you know and basic rhythm basic pitch uh, so there's a I told my students the other day for their low brass class there should be no excuse when you come into the low brass class and have anything to be anything that's out of tune mm -hmm. everything should be you guys need to come in work out all your tuning 
but do not work it out in class. You know, so we just have this policy where they need to do that, you know, and take responsibility. I think the, the responsibility is on them, and they need to uh, be aware of, of, of that, mm -hmm. you know. So, so I kind of laid down the law a little bit of what needs to be done, and that low brass class over the years has been such high-level playing that they have to continue that. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, I'll, I'll remind them that this person came through, this person came through, and that's what they're shooting for. When, when you know, the history of players that mm -hmm. have come come in, so they're they're shooting for that uh, that that very high level. Uh, so anyway, I I guess my approach is 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 to be honest, you know, and tell them like it is, and 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 I I do praise them when when they when they deserve it. But I'm not a one. I'm not a kind of a teacher that that will sugarcoat things, you mm -hmm. know. So I'm. I do tell it like it is, and and I need. I said, you know, you got to be be doing this. You have to be doing this. Um, here's a here's one example. A breath. You know, if you take a breath, are you have you thought about the best place to take a breath, or are you just randomly breathing? Because mm -hmm. obviously, a brass player has to breathe. You know, unless you're a circular breather, but um, but it, the the general technique of playing a brass instrument is to take a breath, and you have to be think about it, exactly where that should happen. So I I require all the students to mark in where they want to breathe, because they're telling me this is the best musical place to breathe, and then we talk about that, and we discuss it, and we say, you know, what about breathing here? What about breathing here? Have you did you think about that? You know, and and uh, something like that. Um, there there are technical challenges that some of my students are, are having right now, and you know, with the high register, for instance, one student, and we go back to mechanics, mm. Me mechanics, and and supporting. And the other day, we we were working with one guy. Uh, he, you know, somebody said, and I agree, is the attack is not this but it's the rebound R after you attack is is really where the attack happens mm -hmm. which is the air you know so uh we work on a simple exercise where you just shout you know and 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 if you shout and you say hey real loud uh that's an attack you know that mm -hmm. that the sound goes like boom like that and so we we try i try to relate <coughs> um playing and, and try to make them practice, get them to practice without the instrument. What they, what they can do, instead of wasting time doing something over and over again, they can sing, they can conduct, they can, they can you know, work on the piano, um, mm -hmm. whatever it is. There's, there's many different ways to practice without playing. Mm -hmm. and so we, we, we tend to focus in on that. And anyway, we, like I said, we meet once a week with the whole studio and everybody presents, you know, either uh, an orchestral section that they have to prepare, or they have to get up and play a solo, or they have to play a mock audition. And so, in the past, we've had one or two players who have sparked the class, mm. and that—that's. I think every class has to have that. They have to have one or two players that lead the way. Mm -hmm. And and I can go through the years and name names, but. Um, that that seems to be you know that's important for for every studio to have a leader 
mm -hmm. and, and the other guys want to follow that, mm. you know. Yeah, great stuff, Joe. Wow, that's like a combination of, of, you know, super fundamentals and then kind of innovative things that you're talking about and then super real careful attention to detail. I mean, it's like, you know, your approach to playing as well. I mean, all of, it's all covered, you know, and that's uh, obviously you take that same care and thoroughness as a, as a teacher as well. It's good, good stuff. Can we just, I like to do this in all the interviews, just play a little name association and you can just, we've talked about some of these gentlemen already, but maybe you could just give a memory or a thought or just a real quick idea of what comes to mind when I uh, mention these names. Let's start with uh, um, your co-worker in the orchestra, Mr. Phil Smith. Right. And I'm glad you're doing this because part of the, the fun part of the music business is just the, the collegial uh, history that people have, you know, and, and the players that you come across and, and play with over the years. So um, I first heard about Phil Smith when I was at Curtis when he won, the, you know, the, the uh, New York Philharmonic job. Mm -hmm. He came and he says, oh, there's some kid from the Chicago Symphony that won the job. I said, who's that? Phil, Phil Smith. And, and and all the trumpet players saying, yeah, man, he's a great player, you know. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, to sit next to him, and um, not only is Phil just a terrific trumpet player, the way he plays, it's it's always beautiful way of appro his approach. Mm -hmm. You know, it's if he plays something difficult or soft or loud, it it always comes out just the beauty, you know, mm -hmm. is amazing. And so, that to me is is something I want to follow. Mm. You know, and and try to f fit in with that, but uh, in addition to that, he's he's kind of like the I, <laughs> the den mother of our our, our <laughs> brass section, and and he you know if there's a problem or something, uh, uh, you know Phil knows how to handle it very well, and 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 um, you know he's we've hung out on tour and and. I, if I have a question, if sometimes a personal question too, I'll ask him and we'll talk about it mm -hmm. and, or, or whatever. But he's just a great colleague, all-around colleague, and, and I couldn't ask for anybody better to sit next to. Mm, great. Uh, you're the first conductor when you arrived in the New York Philharmonic, Zubin Mehta. Yes, Zubin, uh, very exciting conductor. One of the most exciting conductors I work with. Mm. And... and his 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 approach and to uh, music making, uh, you know, I miss his. You know, when we did Mahler Five or or Zarathustra, these are some memorable uh, performances. And Bruckner Eight, and I think when I saw him last time, he he, talk, he, he just said Bruckner Eight, <laughs> and and I I know the performance he's talking about. It was it was in uh, Teatro Colon in Sao Paulo. I'm mm. uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Sao Paulo, and no, not Sao Paulo. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, anyway, one of those countries. Oh, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. Buenos yeah, Aires. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, that was just. I remember he was. He just let us do our thing, and it was. I remember Jerome Ashby, uh, another great colleague of ours, who's no longer here, but he was in the audience. He said that was the most exciting Bruckner Eighth I've ever heard. Wow. You know. And so, and the hall just accepted the brass very well. Mm -hmm. It was like the perfect hall for the way we were playing back then, mm. you know. And and uh, we had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of testosterone flying around mm. uh, in that brass <laughs> section at that time. Sure. And and uh, it was some very exciting times with Zubin. Yeah. You know? 
Um, a more recent conductor, Lauren Mazel. Well, I, I got the opportunity to, uh, first of all, he's, he's brilliant. He's, yeah. a, he's a genius. Mm -hmm. And uh, most, probably the most efficient conductor with the stick. Uh, you know, he can subdivide subdivisions within subdivisions and can make it so clear, it's mind-boggling to watch. So he puts on quite a show with the stick. Mm -hmm. And uh, I must say, the, it wasn't, you didn't really have to think about where to play. You know, you just watch and play. Mm. Boom. Uh, a little, it's similar to Boulez, mm. you know. Um, but anyway, I, I got the opportunity to, to be a soloist with uh, Lauren one time. We did uh, Melinda Wagner's concerto. <coughs> and uh, so at any rate, Watching him, I mean, that's a very complex piece. And I remember it says, well, come to my office and we'll, we'll go over it. And Melinda was there. And it says, so he sat down, the score was there. I don't think he's ever seen the piece, or may, just a few times maybe. But he played on the piano. Wow. Yeah. And, and Melinda, and, and so he said, you know, he said, Melinda, you want, are you sure you want an A sharp against a, you know, a, a G sharp here? Melinda was, you know. Well, yeah. yeah, 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 I do, yeah. And, you know, he, he could pick out, <laughs> he could pick out the, just the smallest little... Uh, uh, I think I do. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, it was, he's, you know, I'm very lucky to work with him. Mm, great. Um, another colleague, Principal Horn in the Philharmonic, Phil Myers. Phil is the Mr. Gung-Ho of the horn, you know, there's, meaning that... Um, you're not going to hear any horn player who goes for it like that anywhere in the world, you know. And um, so I've learned a lot from Phil, and we, we've talked about some uh, concepts that he has that I, I, you know, that have helped me a lot. And, uh, and we've gotten to play in a brass quintet together, and that's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great to hear him play. He's playing better than ever. Um, he's, he's played this Mozart horn concerto, like, and just played uh, plays it beautifully. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh, he's he's living a living example of of you know brass playing can get better mm. over time, mm. and I think he continues to get better, even though he would probably disagree. But he 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 is he has a distorted view of himself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last one, our late, uh, very sad passing, but his legacy lives on, and and his memory inspires all of us. But uh, our late great friend Steve Witzer. Well, the first time I heard Steve, you know, Steve's from the Bay Area. Uh, my father was a um, Bach dealer. Mm. Okay, so uh, if there were, if anybody wanted a Bach horn, um, they would come to our house. 15 Anchorage Court in San Rafael, and there were tons of, if you went in the garage, there were tons of trombones, tons of trumpets up there, so you had a parade of players coming through all the time. And uh, most of them were trumpet players, of course, but I was practicing one day, I remember the day, and it was probably about 5 o'clock in the evening, around this time of year, so it was getting dark. Mm -hmm. And so I was practicing, and I heard some guy playing the trombone, I said, wow. This is good playing. I expected it to be, to be a, a guy of like 40 years old uh -huh. or something. And I peeked around the corner, and it was Steve Witzer. <laughs> and I'll never forget it and just how talented that, that guy was. And, and then um, so we, 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 we got together with Don Robinson, and we were 
friendly and and we played some trios and Chris Brayman also sure, who yeah, I yeah. who I spoke I, who I saw recently uh you know we, we remembered all that together and um uh, and then we studied with the same teachers and uh we ended up going to different schools and uh um I I, I you know maybe that was a good thing <laughs> <laughs> the two of us at the same school I don't know <laughs> He would probably laugh. If Steve were here, he would laugh. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, undoubtedly. I'm yeah. sure. I'm yeah. sure. But uh, because he was he was very competitive, and so was I. And you know, this this came to a head one time when we when we were in the Colorado Philharmonic sure. together. And back then, and I I disagree with what they did is they only had one guy playing first, and then for the whole summer. Now they mix it up, mm -hmm. which I think is is better. Mm -hmm. But you know, so uh, at the time, I I was awarded the the first chair, and and he was the second chair, and it was very good for both of us to go through that experience. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about what not and what to do and what not to do as a first player, you know, um, and he learned some things as well. And later in life, when we met recently, not too long ago, before he passed, we laughed about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we we could sit back and say, okay, you know. You know, so we we had an understanding, a good understanding, and and I was so happy for him when he he won the L.A. job because that, you know, that's what he wanted. That yeah. was his dream yeah. to be a first trombone player, principal player, which he was. Yeah, he wasn't a second player. Right. You right. know, he wasn't an associate player. He 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 was. That was his talent. Yeah. You know, and and so anyway. Yeah. I'll miss him. I mean, yeah. it's it's really weird because you know, there's a lot of people as you get older. That go, yeah. They, they're not there anymore. All yeah. of a sudden, you know, he was obviously his, his life was cut short, you know. And uh, anyway, but we we all miss him. Yeah, we sure we sure do. And he was one of my favorite people. And he's, I've learned a lot about gratitude as I get older. And and him passing was a big part of that. I just started realizing how we are. Every day is a gift, even as cliche as that sounds. Absolutely. Um, and and I learned that a lot from him. And I know for sure. Uh, you guys were like two guys going for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, because he oh, yes. was he was inspired by you, and 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 he would always be like Joseph. And I was always kind of in the jazz world, but we played together in a quartet. So I was I loved being on the on the on the sidelines yeah. watching that go yeah. on. So uh, yeah. I know he was incredibly inspired by you. Oh, so. well, and, and, and um, likewise. Yeah. Um, the Alessi Institute. It's become quite a uh, seminar. seminar. I'm sorry. Although I, I'd like to call it that. <laughs> okay. <sorry. laughs> um, it's become quite the, the training ground for uh, great orchestral trombone playing. And I know a very good friend of mine and yours, um, great studio trombone player in Los Angeles named Alex Isles, came out and did the, did the seminar a few years back. And he told me it just changed his playing. It was a remarkable uh, thing to be involved in. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, about the seminar, where sure. it's going, where it came well, from. It came from, and I was always going away to teach all the time. And and my wife said, you know, there's too much of this going on. Maybe you could stay home. <laughs> <laughs> so so I said, well, all right, maybe I'll, I'll stay home and just have a seminar, you know, come to me. So I, when if somebody wants to, instead of me going to a place, if somebody wants to study with me, they can come and, and visit me. So that's what we did for a while. We mm. did it right in Nyack, and uh, it was a, a smart thing, but also stupid at the same time <laughs> because I was the only person running the thing. Mm. So, and my wife helped me with it a bit. Um, so we had quite a few players. That was when the class was very large, uh, and and only one teacher, just mm. me, and I was the administrator. 
So I would pick up. I would pick, go out and pick people up at the airport, and you know, and and uh, you know, I was doing everything. And so, um, but we had some great players come through. Alex came through, and Alex is Alex is, is such a versatile player. I mean, yeah. uh, boy, I didn't have to tell him too much. I don't think, but you know, he just whatever I told him, he picked up on it right away. But he's, you know. To me, a guy like him, he, t he, he has said that, and I know he said that, but I need to go and study with him, mm. really. Mm. I, I feel like any, I'll, I'll lay it out you, all the great jazz players, and, and, and I love your playing, but I want to go and, and study, and, and I, I don't want to think that it's too late that I can't be a good jazz player someday. Mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah, sure. So it, it will require me to play a smaller horn, I know that. And because I've I've experimented, Roy Ag uh, sold me a horn recently, mm. and it's small bore, and, and it's amazing what you can do on a small bore horn. Sure, you yeah. Know, but you have to play it a lot. You yeah. know, you can't just yeah. pick it up and expect to do it. So at any rate, getting back to the seminar, um, yeah, he was there, and and we had Pete Ellison there, and and a lot of great players have come through there. Um, so it's a way for me to to just share some concepts w that I've learned over the years and uh, you know we I have an administrator now Mr. Whitaker Dr. Whitaker and Pete Ellison helped me with this um, and he's a great teacher Pete and uh, so anyway what we're gonna do with it is we're gonna continue to do it every two years um, there'll be some changes I think mm -hmm. down the road where where we're gonna do it um, so I ended up leaving NIAC because NIAC just was too small to handle mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so we ended up going to different places but uh, we always have a great turnout and I uh, the other part of the seminar that I do on a regular basis in, is in at a school in Italy right that um, and people want to come over and hang out with me but also they want to drink wine and have a sure. good time and party. I so. understand that. I understand <laughs> they have good food there as well. Perhaps. Good food is, yeah, I heard is, is okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that's a great for all of our uh, listeners. A great, uh, if you're fortunate enough to get to, to be able to take part in that seminar, it's uh, for nothing but amazing things. Joe, you talked a little bit about horns, and maybe uh, this would be a good time to just uh, mention your, uh, your Alessi model right. that Edwards has put out. Right. Um, you know, this is, this is a horn that, that uh, we worked on for many years, but um, it's a nice balance if you want to play a solo, a concerto. If you want to play it in the orchestra uh, or a brass quintet, it seems to be a nice, uh, a, a very versatile horn, mm. which, which was what, what I was looking for. Um, and it's balanced. It, it, uh, it has, people ask about this thing, and, and this is, they call the harmonic brace. And uh, it is adaptable. You can adjust it with weights. We call them pillars, mm. and uh, there's different kinds of weights you can put in there. I don't use it this the horn that way, but it, it's it does change the instrument. And if you're and there are pro players who use these pillars mm. and swear by them. Mm. Um, so anyway, there there are some players that are out there that are very fine players that are in major orchestras that are playing it, and uh, we're we're continuing to make you know, uh, improvements and adjustments over the years. And, and we, we will, it, because my name's on it, 
you know, I insist on a certain quality uh, that they they produce, and and I think the horns are very consistent. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's a great horn. I I like I like it. Does, has a fixed lead pipe, so the lead pipe that I play is what you get. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. um, you know. That's great. Well, continue yeah. success with it. I know we were talking before the interview that. Uh, doing some impressive sales numbers as well, so obviously it's uh, resonating with people and they're liking the instrument. Yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm going to continue uh, working on it with, with players and and uh, glad to see that it's it's working out. Yeah. Um, Joe, you've, you've, you know, as we said at the beginning, you've done everything you could possibly do with the trombone and you've done it at the highest level. Um, what lies ahead for you right now? What are your plans and what are your goals? I mean, you're, you're still that fired up guy and even though yes. you've accomplished it all, you're, you're, yeah. I know you have a list of goals that uh, you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, well, I have a, a couple good recording projects that I'm working on. Uh, a couple of them are uh, classical in nature mm -hmm. and then there's a, a Latin CD that I'm oh, nice. working on and I'm it, I'm anxious to get that out, and that mm -hmm. that's almost done. Mm. So, cool. Um, but uh, some this gentleman Nicola Farrell, he writes the charts, mm. and he does a great job. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that's that's happening. Um, you know, I probably will go into an educational um, book mm. at some point, mm -hmm. and I'm working on that. We, you know, probably in a form of an iBook, maybe or. Not and plus a hard copy. Right. So I'm, that's going to be a big project. Yeah. Uh, if, anytime you do a book, you know you have to have the time to focus. Yeah. So, uh, but that that's a goal of mine, and also to get some other pieces written. I'm I'm to commission some other works. There's a couple people that are writing me uh, pieces right now. Nice. And um, so I think next year there's a piece by Mr. Baldwin who I'm. <coughs> Going to be, I think I'll be going down to the one of the orchestras down in Florida mm. to do that. So hopefully it'll be in February, mm -hmm. where I can go down. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so yeah, just and just I always will be a teacher, yeah. and you know I'll I'm sure I'll keep playing for a long time. But uh, my my passion is teaching. I think and 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 eventually it'll be turned towards that. I think, and and uh, um, and the emphasis will be that. And uh, my father finished his career as a teacher, and I probably do the same. Mm. And and I mean, he was a player too, but you know, his main thing was was teaching. Yeah. So. Well, so uh, it's the Joe Alessi full slate of uh, activities ahead for sure. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, just you know, as as trombone players, we got to keep doing. You know, all the facets of 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 playing, teaching, mm -hmm. composing, of course, I would mm -hmm. like to try some a little bit of composing down mm -hmm. the road. And, uh, you know, you're doing all that yeah. stuff, so. Trying, trying. Yeah. Um, Joe, I always ask uh, each featured artist um, what piece of advice they might have for young folks coming up. And I know you have a big influence on young people here at Juilliard and, and around the world. Um, but if, if there's a young trombone player out there who's dreaming of possibly becoming the next Joe Alessi, if you could just have one piece of advice, what might it be for them? Wow. You know, try to find, I, when I, I, it's funny, when I was growing up, I didn't want to be anybody. <laughs> so, meaning that. Well, it didn't work out that way, did it? <laughs> meaning that I didn't want to be the next so-and-so or the next, I just simply worked hard. You know, I simply worked hard 
And I had no idea. I mean, when when I when I got my first job in the Philadelphia Orchestra, it was, you know, I can't believe that this ha has happened. You know, I simply worked hard, and uh -huh. I think, you know, have have a goal of 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 being the best that you can be and find your own voice on the horn. I think is is very important. Yes, have. Uh, people that influence you and, and you look up to, but um, uh, f for me it was just incredible discipline. I think the discipline in young people, if you look at Phil Myers, he talks about how disciplined he was, mm -hmm. and, and Phil Smith came, comes from, you know, his father was uh, his teacher, and, 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 you know, I think if you look at Phil's dad, you know he's he's a hard worker. Mm -hmm. you know, he worked mm -hmm. very hard all his life, and I, that rubbed off on me from my my parents. Sure. So, I think it's it's just uh, listen to a lot of music. I think part 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 of the problem is uh, with younger students is they don't listen enough, mm -hmm. so they don't know what has taken place in history mm -hmm. in brass playing. Case in point, there's many people who don't know about the you know the Chicago Symphony low brass record right, right. Says, uh, well what's that they don't know what what that is or that it even is out there mm -hmm. for them for, for people to listen to so um, you, you know as, as as a teacher you have to say this is what you should be listening to go out and buy all this stuff and and start soaking it in that's kind of the, what I the way I learned is is listening to recordings mm -hmm. all the time if you're if you have any interest in being in an orchestra you have to know all the repertoire, and you have to be passionate about it. And the thing, thing I say, tell people, you have to get inspired about something. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, Frank Sinatra inspired me, and Bill Watrous inspired me, and J.J. And J. Johnson, and you know. So, so when I started listening to all the trombone records, most of them were jazz. Mm. That's how I got inspired. Mm -hmm. You know, f and in some ways, J.J. listening to his sound and all those r records I listen to all the time, uh, and still listen to. You know that sound. He could have played in an orchestra because he had that nice, rich sound. Yeah, you know, and sure and I yeah. that spoke to me. He, his sound, spoke to your heart. You know, so anyway, uh, that's that inspiration, and then wanting to play his solos and asking Bob Elkier to, uh, you know, to transcribe a solo for me, or I did one too, as you know, a couple times. And just just memorizing all his solos and copying something, you know, mm -hmm. and then eventually you can find your own voice. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, I just want to thank you again for uh, taking time to be with us today. I know all of our viewers are going to get a lot out of all the comments you made today. Fantastic, and uh, and also just thank you for all the inspiration you've given all of us. I mean, you've set the bar, like I said, so high that the rest of us are scuffling to try to get there. Oh, but well. it's nice to, that it's been set that high. So. Uh, so thanks for everything. And by the way, thanks for calling me back about 35 years ago or whenever that was. It was great. Oh, and, sure, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you for, for you know, asking me to do this. And, well, and the stuff that you're doing is incredible. And I mean that. I want to take a, you know, I always want, with, I always want to take a lesson with you. Well, so let me know when we can very, do that. Very kind, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for uh, being with us. Thank you all. We will uh, we'll see you next time on Bone to Pick.